Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Happy uh, Tuesday, Catherine. <laughs> Thursday. We record, we record this on Thursdays. Yeah, but you'll hear it on Tuesday, so I'm not, I'm not all wrong. It is true. It is true. I just can't do, I can't fake it. I can't be like, pretend that it's Tuesday. Because, I mean, think about all the things that can happen in four days in COVID world. Like what? I'm kidding. I'm so <laughs> The fire dumpster that 2020 is. Why didn't they talk about that crazy thing if it's, you know, they record this on Tuesday anyway. Yeah, that's true. It is Thursday. Happy Thursday. Thursday. I have to say, um, we just finished recording the podcast and then we took a bathroom break and my dog thought it was walk time and she's sitting by the door so disappointed. You can can make her happy in just a little bit. I know. I came back in. Well, how have you been? Um, I've been good. So uh, actually, I'm pretty excited because I am finally, finally getting out of Atlanta um, in 10 days. Yes. So I'm, I, we may have mentioned this before, but I'm heading out to Washington for three weeks. You're going to go see your niece. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go be aunt mom. Um, my sister-in-law has to do some clinicals and my brother is in, uh, he's a PA in the military. He's in a school and he has to work lots of hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to help take care of my four and a half year old niece who, by the way, is riding her Strider bike four to five miles at a time. So going to be a little badass. Yeah. She was riding on a little pump track, like a little mini pump track. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So, um, she is definitely, definitely going to be a cyclist, which I may or may not encourage. So, uh, <laughs> so are you taking your bike? Well, I was going to take my bike because there are some awesome women in our group out in Washington. And I thought it'd be really fun to meet up with them until I found out that my brother works six, 10 hour shifts a week. Um, so I don't think I'll have time. And he and I are about the same height. He has a mountain bike. So I'll just do some riding on his mountain bike. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. 
It's and a little bit of a bummer. I mean, I'm sure there's a place out there you can rent a bike. Yeah, I thought that too. It was just like a lot of effort to take the bike for what might end up being like three free days. Well, you should at least take your shoes and pedals oh, and helmet. Yeah, okay. I'm taking all the stuff yeah. for sure. Good. Um, Good. But I was like, well, you know, eh. I um, we have a visitor. She did. This is her first appearance on today's podcast. That's so yeah. Uh, but it's still, it's still 10 days away, but I can feel, I can feel the like getting out of town and like doing something different. I'm so ready for it, especially after I came off my 10 days of isolation from being exposed to COVID. And no, and no more symptoms. So. No, I've been fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Good. So. Good. You're going on a trip too though, right? Well, we're just going to adventure out again, you know, yeah. adventure. Adventure. I know there was a moment that I thought we might meet each other on the west coast but yeah, I, I think you're just too far north I don't know we're, we're still kind of building it out but um you know my husband really 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 <clears throat> wants a mountain biker for a wife and he's not going to trade me in evidently so um I got I've got a I kind of want to go just park somewhere every time we do it every time we take like a little mountain biking trip, I really do get the hang of it. And then we come back and I don't ride my mountain bike for two years. Because as we mentioned last week, there aren't mountains in Kansas. Right. There's not mountains and there's really not that many trails and yada, yada, yada. So I just want to try to get some more consistency with that. Um, you know, I mean, he rides gravel for me. I can ride, I can try that for him, I guess. I don't know. I hope you come back with all your teeth. Oh God, put that out there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I come out biking sometimes. Uh, I, I've, we, we took him when we went to Crested Butte and I, I rode one trail and it was an easy trail and you would have thought, yeah, it was not good. So it's so much twisting. That's what's hard. But then I hear people that like mountain biking don't really like gravel because they're like, it's too straight. Well, I don't, I get, a, I'm a little claustrophobic, so I don't like, I don't like, I'm, I'm okay on the like trees. trails, but if the trees are too close to me, it's like, I, I don't, I'm getting better at it. But again, it's one of those things for me that it's just, it's comfort, right? Like I have to do it and know that I can and, and feel comfortable with it and just get, just get in a rhythm with it. And it's hard around here to do that. So, so we're, yeah, we're going to, we're ending at, um, Heidi and Xander's wedding down at the gravel house in Patagonia. Oh, so they, they did move their wedding to this. They this moved place. it to October. They're having it no matter what. And it's just going to be super small. And, um, I mean, they're, they're doing all the COVID precautions they possibly can, but Heidi at this point, she's like, we're getting married. I don't like, maybe there's nobody there. I don't know, but we're getting married. So going on a while and I, I did see that they ended up um canceling the spirit world 100 yeah yep but. it's just that town's small and there's a lot that population there that lives there is older um and so it's it was totally the right thing to do and i know i mean i've become an expert at canceling events um something i never like i just it's ex it's it's exhausting because it's just so emotional um but you know, Heidi had that, we, we had a talk the other day and she's like, same, same thing, just really hard. I'm like, yep, I get it. It's not fun to, to cancel. And then, you know, then people are angry too. I mean, it's, 
I, I do wish if, if anything that we could start practicing a little bit, especially in the cycling world is just some kindness and grace with this. Like, just be nice. Like, don't be an asshole. Just be nice. It's a bike race. You know, so just, just a little bit of uh, patience with that, I guess. I don't know. I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not, none of it's easy. So why make it harder? Yeah. I actually listened to a really good podcast today. I'm a big fan of Brooke Castillo and it's, it's actually, I think this is actually an old Henry cloud. Um, but a lot of the problem is, is, uh, we want to make people good or bad and mm-hmm. we're actually all good and bad. So we're, a, we're a mix of both. So we can't go, Oh, this person did this thing and it's horrible. And so they're all bad because they're not, they're, they're good not. and bad. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I think we're, just we've gotten to a point where we're like you know we judge somebody by one thing or by an action or something and then we're like but I would never do that and I am all (laughs) you know so um I've kind of tried to do the people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones and you know, I definitely live in a glass house so I try really hard not to and I, I mean I totally make mistakes for sure but I, you know, especially right now, really trying to think about that kindness thing. Is it kind? Do I need to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I listened to a podcast today too. Oh yeah. What podcast was it? I listened to the um, King of the Ride so I could hear Jess Sarah on it. So yeah, we're interviewing her for a podcast. I'm excited. I'm very excited yeah. about talking more to her because she did another one of our DIY um, gravel summer webinars that Which- we we're carrying on a trend with that because we've got Sarah today. Yeah. So today's conversation, actually, uh, we have Sarah Lamb, who um, is a professional bike mechanic, but not full-time. She's like an engineer and physicist. She makes some robots. Like, yeah. that's crazy. And she's like, yeah, that's nuts. Um, so I, she was on one of the webinars, and after we started chatting, and I was like, oh, my gosh, your story is I love your story because you pursued a passion, you do that, but it's not like your full-time gig. And I think everybody needs to hear like, you know, there's not a one way or the other to pursue kind of passions within cycling. Yeah, exactly. Yep. She did a great job. Yeah. She, she was, was this is her first podcast interview ever. And she was like, I'm really nervous. And then she was like, she was a rock star. (laughs) So so anyway, we could have talked to her all day because she had so many fascinating stories, but we, we cut it off. But we will go on and get on to the podcast with Sarah Lamb. Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooders sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's Afternoon Uppers. And I got Rosé Before Brosé. (laughs) They're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. <laughs> Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing! Nothing at all! 
You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Well, welcome to this week's edition of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. We are super excited to have Sarah Lamb finally with us. We've been trying to do this for a few weeks. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow. And Christy's also here. Hi. <laughs> Shocking. I do feel like this has, been a, this has been an endurance adventure, trying to get Sarah on the podcast. So, so seriously, welcome. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was, you know, tropical storm and 10 days without internet and, you know. And then the week before that, I think Christy ended up having a name change meeting for a a race that is soon to have a new name. Yes. Yes. And I I think before that it was my mom's birthday. So, (laughs) I knew I knew better than to schedule over that. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you did one of our summer webinar series. Well, two of our summer webinar series uh, with us. We were actually just talking before we hit record about your dad also made an appearance on the summer webinar <laughs> <Yeah>. series, <laughs> which was really fun. But uh, you are a bike mechanic. Well, not yes. just <laughs> also you spend some time doing bike mechanics. So tell us all about how you got into cycling and then into this line of um so i i started out um so i'm based in connecticut i guess first of all and um i don't know i i feel like i've been riding bikes since before i could walk at this point (laughs) Um, but i i started working in bike shops right around the time that i was like 15 16 um and like, I'll never forget it. One of the first jobs I had, they were like, oh, you know, just stand at the front and look pretty and sell bikes. And I'm like, yeah, no, that is not me. <laughs> like, sorry. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but the look on Christy's face was amazing. <laughs> it was. It totally was. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they were just like, you know, oh, just be like the, the pretty girl at the front of the shop. And I was like, that is so not me. Um, but I would, I would kind of fix stuff here and there as it would come in. Cause I kind of knew what I was doing. And, um, you know, somewhere, somewhere along the line, you know, a shop or two later, maybe somebody told me, you know, Hey girls, don't do that. Um, and if there's any way to get me to do something, it's to tell me that I can't, um, that, you know, not like, Oh, you're not allowed to, but like, yeah, you're, I'm sorry, this is, this is for guys only. Um, and I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. So <laughs> I set out to kind of prove, prove those people wrong, you know, who said girls don't belong on this side of cycling. Um, and I, you know, I worked at a couple of shops, you know, here and there as a mechanic. And then, you know, right around the time I was in college, um, I had just kind of gotten frustrated with like the, you know, this is going to sound horribly offensive, the creepy old men coming in and giving you that, like, reach around, feel you up, hug, and be like, oh, can you fix my bike? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to get a piece of paper that says that I know what I'm doing, right? So USA Cycling offers this um, race mechanics clinic, and they, 
it's typically offered in Colorado Springs every year. Um, there was like one or two years back in the like early 2000s that it was in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and I was lucky enough to kind of get into it one of those years. Um, Cause I'm like, Hey, Providence, I can, I can drive up there. I can crash on somebody's couch, you know, a friend and, and do this clinic. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, you know, they, they do a few days of like presentations from officials and mechanics and, um, and then they're like, Oh, there's a written test, you know, and there's a written test. And if you get a high score, if you get the high score on the written test, you know, we'll bring you to a race and it'll be trial by fire. And I was like, race, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I, you know, cause racing, um, you know, I had raced collegiate a little bit on the road and, you know, there's no mechanical support. There's no professional level support at those races. You know, now as a neutral mechanic, we'll cover some of them, but back, you know, again, early 2000s, mid 2000s, there wasn't. Um, so of course, being competitive, I'm like, I'm going to get the high score. So I got the high score on the written test and they're like, great, now you're coming to a race. Um, and they took me to, and I don't know um, if either of you are familiar with the old Fitchburg stage race in Massachusetts. It's kind of one of these um, old tiny New England races. Um, you know, how there, there was always like the Holy Week of New England cyclocross um, with Gloucester and Providence. And um, the Fitchburg stage race was like the holy half week of New England, of New England road season. Um, and it's up in Massachusetts. It's very pretty. It goes up, up and down Wachusett Mountain. And then there's a crit downtown, um, you know, right in the, in the Worcester area. And so I went there, um, you know, and I was, jumping like jumping out of the cars you know fixing stuff um and the guy driving for me like had a stopwatch going and it was basically like okay if you're doing a rear wheel change like and they wouldn't tell you what they were looking for right there it's okay if you're doing a rear wheel change you should be under 20 seconds if you're doing a front wheel change you should be under 10 seconds if you're doing a bike change in a crash it's got to be under two minutes or something like that um and I don't know, I guess they, they just kind of kept calling me back after that. And they've, um, you know, these guys have become over the last 12 or, or more years, like a family. Um, and I've been really fortunate uh, to work with all different programs. Um, you know, I've worked with Mavic um, and their neutral support program. I've worked with the um, NRS and events program, which is sort of the homegrown uh, Butch Balzano show in New England um, and I worked a lot with you know this the SRAM programs um, done a bunch of work um, with the Cannondale cyclocross team um, mostly behind the scenes stuff uh, and you know got involved with clinics and mentoring, um, you know, with the local junior team, with national women's programs, um, you know, helped start a mechanics organization. And I'd like to think that somewhere along the line in the middle of all of this, you know, we've been able to get more women on bikes or, or wrenching on bikes um, and, and make a difference for the sport. So, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's See, really why I do it. growth in, in um, women mechanics in your area? Um, 
in my geographic area of um, New England, not a ton. Mm -hmm. um, I have, you know, worked with a few here and there at shops. Um, I, you know, traveling out um, to work, for example, like Tour of California, Tour of Utah, um, US Pro Challenge or Tour of Colorado, um, sort of the, the big hitting races. Um, every so often you'll see, um, you know, shops will come out and they'll have a woman mechanic. There's really not a lot of women mechanics um, at, the, at that UCI level um, where, where I kind of live now at sort of the race support. Um, but there's, there's a couple. <laughs> um, and it's always, it's always like, oh, yes, somebody who gets it, you know. Um, and it's, it's not to say that the guys don't get it, because 100% they do, and they back me, you know, it's, it's actually pretty funny. Um, you know, I could tell stories for days of like, the situations where it's like, oh, you know, a team director will come over and think he has to tiptoe around me. And it's just like, I'll kind of just come out of left field and not filter it. And, you know, almost get myself in trouble with the <laughs> commissaires. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> like, and it's so it's, it's good times. Um, you know, like I said, they've kind of become a family. So do you do this full time then? I do not. Um, I, <laughs> so I used to be sort of when I, so when I started this, I was in college. Um, and after college, I had a degree in physics. Um, and I ended up teaching at like high school AP physics for five years and then taught at a university for a couple years, kind of just to put myself through grad school for engineering. Um, so now my job that you know pays the bills <laughs> for the most part um is i'm an r d engineer on a surgical robot so <laughs> super underachiever super underachiever <laughs> okay that's amazing but you basically <laughs> use all your vacation to go work like well yeah. you probably have a lot of vacations <laughs> I, yeah, my, my boss actually had that conversation with me like two days ago. She's like, so we need to talk about all the vacation that you're not taking and what you're going to do about it. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I forgot. Because <laughs> I usually use my vacation to, to go to California for two weeks or Utah for a week and a half um, and go play bikes. <laughs> So that really, I mean, just, just for clarification, because of course my mind's like, okay, is that, that's a choice that you make or is, are there gigs out there and, and men have them and you don't? Um, it's, it's definitely a choice that I make for sure. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think as far as the, the mechanic world goes, I've been, always treated as an equal which is amazing to me mm -hmm. um you know because i i honestly like i 100 percent can't say the same thing for engineering and i can't say the same thing for physics it's you know you're you're starting from behind as as a woman but as a mechanic i think i've you know at least among the other mechanics always been treated like an equal um i think some 
sometimes when you're in a caravan situation in a race with the European crews that come over, um, there's a very different perception in Europe of women mechanics. Um, and I know, I know a couple of women who worked over at the European circuit and even they said, they're like, yeah, we, we tried, but <laughs> their, their minds are kind of made up. Um, you know, I, I know of uh, a friend of mine had, she was not a mechanic, but a team director. Um, I think the, the other team directors in the race actually met without her to vote on whether they were going to let a woman drive in caravan. Um, oh and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but uh, honestly, you know, it's, it's definitely my choice to, to kind of take my vacation from, from real work and go play bikes um, for sure. Well, and it's not an easy job to be like a, a race mechanic or a mechanic that works with one of the teams. Like it's you're on, if you sign with a team, you're just on the road with the team all the time. It's a very. Yeah. 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 And, and you're always up before the riders. You're always up after the riders. Um, I mean, those teams their pee off their bikes. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. that kind of leaves. <laughs> this depends. Um, yeah, I, I honestly haven't gotten into the triathlon scene. Um, You're like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I think for the most part, triathlons aren't allowed to have cycling support. They're like, not, no. they're not allowed to have a follow car. They're not allowed to have any of that. So. No, which a lot of gravel races, you can only have outside support at like if, at the stop. at the aid stations. Yeah. So if um, you kind of have to know how to fix something, or you're out of the race along the way. Yeah. <laughs> or you have to know how to run with your bike really fast. <laughs> I guess long way. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've done, I've done a little bit of sort of the new, the gravel scene. Um, my, my like gravel experience, if you will, is really cyclocross support. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you race cyclocross too? Or ride um, no, no, I don't. Um, I, I have a cyclocross bike that I'll take. I, I live like five minutes from the West Hartford reservoir here. So I'll, you know, hop on my bike and roll over there and ride the trails. Um, but I don't, I think it's one of those, uh, I'm like blanking on the word for it, but <laughs> uh, occupational hazard of being a race mechanic that I personally will not race anymore because I've seen far too many crashes and scraped far too many people up off the ground. <laughs> it's legit. Like you probably, as the mechanic, because you're following the bikes, like you've seen, you see the worst. <laughs> Yeah, and you're always the first one there. You're there before EMS. You're there before um, the officials. Everybody. It's uh, there's, <laughs> you know, there was definitely, and it's funny because like you don't realize how strange it is for you know normal people or whatever. Um, there's definitely a race. There's this big criterium up in Boston every year. Um, and it's right around, if you've ever been to Boston, if you know Boston, there's City Hall Plaza. And, you know, to, to one side is like Faneuil Hall, then to the other side is like you walk a couple blocks and you're in Boston Common. Um, and they shut down City Hall Plaza and they do a criterium around it. And one year, this guy like was coming down the hill and crashed into a steel barricade and like mangled it. 
with his shoulder. Like it was, you could see where the steel barricade like caved around him. And I'm like holding on to him because he crashed right in front of our pit. You know, we get his bike out of the way and I'm like, he's trying to get up and I'm like, dude, stay where you are. And I'm like basically pinching off an arterial bleed in this guy's shoulder. Um, and I get, I get home. Don't, don't flinch at all doing that. Get home and there's a spider in my garage and I have to call the neighbor to kill it. <laughs> I'm like, nope, I'm tapping out. <laughs> I would so kill that spider. Not touch it. <laughs> arterial bleed. You're like, sorry, dude. Yeah. I'm just curious. Like, okay, so the site the bike racing that I've watched is a little bit of the Tour de France. And then I did watch uh, Hannah Grant's Eat, Race, Win show. We just had her on the podcast yep. a couple of weeks ago. Nice. <laughs> um, and so you're in a car, or I've seen a picture of you on the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. And I, I am what they call motorcycle-sized. <laughs> you're motorcycle-sized. Yeah. So you have to be a certain size to ride the motorcycle. And then what what do you have there? And like, like, like just walk us through it because I think it's really interesting. You're following the Peloton or the yeah, group, but yeah, tell it, walk us through the car. What happens? <laughs> so it's, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a car race behind a bike race when you're on the road. Um, and it's, it's all run by the officials, but depending on who the officials are, they sometimes hand it off to neutral support mechanics to run the show. Um, to sort of make the calls of, hey, we want to go up the road, we want to stay here, um, you know, and I always tell the story of, you can always tell what's going on in a bike race, like the Tour de France, by watching the mechanics and by watching the cars. Um, so in the Tour de France, there's the yellow, little yellow Mavic car um, behind the, the field. And so we'll always start that's car one is right behind the field is what we call that. And then car two actually starts up ahead of everybody. So car two is like way out front, doesn't see a bike race until there's a breakaway. Um, are they ahead of the bike race or are they ahead of? They're ahead of the bike race. Okay. Yeah. So, and each, um, you know, each mechanics car has an official with it. So if I'm car one, which car one is, we call it the hot seat, right? Um, because that's where all the chaos happens. That's where you're going to um, have the arterial bleed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, the, the the bad bleeds are more in the crits, to be honest. Um, I can imagine. That's, they're going yeah. so fast. Yeah. It's just carnage. carnage. Um, that's why we're not doing crits. But they, sound, but they sound so fun when they go, the bikes, when they go by in a crit and you hear the free will of, like, a hundred bikes at the same time, all going 60 miles an hour. It oh, sounds like a swarm of bees. It's awesome. nightmare. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Um, so, but on the road though, you know, so we start a car behind, we start a car out front on the idea that if there's a breakaway, it's easier to drop back than move up. So the, um, the way that you can kind of tell what's going on in the race, right? So if there's a breakaway, and say the breakaway gets to 30 seconds, the neutral, the yellow neutral support motorcycle will drop into that gap um, because we know we want those riders to be supported. There's not enough space for team cars. And we know our motorcycle can get in and out of a 30 second gap with time to spare. 
if the breakaway gets to a minute, we drop the car back. So the car in front drops behind the riders in the breakaway. Um, and so when you see just that neutral motorcycle and neutral car and the official car behind the brake, you know that they've got a minute thereabouts on the field. Um, when it starts getting up to two minutes, two and a half minutes, um, the team cars will start showing up and then it gets fun. <laughs> So the team cars, did they like get, go around the riders that are going slower than to get to their team? Yep. Yeah. Oh they drive super, super aggressively. Um, and it's, that sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah like you have to get support at an aid station at gravel. Um, <laughs> so, okay. But, uh, so you're usually in the neutral motorcycle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm either, you know, driving you support one of the cars. Yeah, we can support anybody. We're like, we're like mobile Switzerland. <laughs> um, so we like, for me, a, a typical race is I'll kind of walk the start line as a mechanic and I'll be looking to see what components every team is riding. So, um, you know, okay, the Cannondale guys are on SRAM, they're on 12 speed axis, they're on you know, super X frames that have whatever size dropouts. Um, and I'll kind of be gauging like, okay, these guys are on Campy 12 speed. These guys are on Shimano. Um, and I'll have like a cheat sheet written out that I tape to the back of, you know, either if, if I'm in the car, I'll tape it to the back of the seat in front of me. Um, or I'll tape it to the, to the back of my driver's jacket on the motorcycle. <laughs> I can just imagine it coming off and like getting in. Just so that I know when I'm jumping, I know what wheel to grab. I know what I'm dealing with. I know how far to gap it in the time that we're slowing down. Because um, the in the pro fields, the riders are actually they're very well trained on how to use neutral support. So they and a lot of times it'll be done over the radio too. Because if you're in like Tour California a world tour race, they've got, the riders all have radios. And so they'll radio to their team director and say, Hey, I have a, a rear flat. Um, you know, I, I can roll on it for a little bit. And the team director will say, okay, we're going to let neutral take this one. And then they'll radio to us and say rear flat. And it's uh, half the time, by the time they radio, we've already changed it. Um, Tell us how stressful that is because <laughs> I can imagine these are people that are under major pressure and you have to be so fast. They are honestly at that level. They're so chill about it. It's the local like cat threes, cat twos that are like so amped up and they're screaming at you and they're like shaking and that they see there were a couple of times when I first started doing this, like they saw me, this, you know, fairly petite girl get out of the car and they just got so pissed. They threw their bike at me. Um, and I was like, all right, have, have a nice day. And just got back in the car. I'm like, I'm not helping you. <laughs> um, but I'd know, be I'd, so stoked to see you. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, Sarah's here. <laughs> and like, but then the polar opposite, it's like, I definitely remember there was a, there was like some, I want to say it was like one of the old Green Mountain Chris up in Vermont that like, there was this awful crash. And I swear to God, I got asked out in the middle of a crash. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Are you serious? 
Oh my God. We can get stories from Sarah all day. Right. You yeah. need to write a book. Like seriously. <laughs> For real, you need to write a book. That'd be fun. I have you I have two questions, first of all. Um, have you gotten to eat any of Hannah Grant's food? <laughs> well, since uh, done the European, you haven't done European tours, have you? No. 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 I've I've stuck with North America for the most part. Um because of I, the really, I really want to try Hannah Grant's food. So we got to figure that out. <laughs> Maybe, like, this is what we could do. This is, this is the plan, Christy. We're going to get Sarah okay. and Allie okay. to do something together. It'll okay. be like the professional cyclist, the mechanic, and the chef. I don't know what it is. But how does that get me any of Hannah Grant's food? <laughs> we're gonna be there covering it so she's well, whatever whatever we come up with obviously there's gonna need to be taste testing done oh. well, yeah, and we're gonna be there covering whatever it is like this has to be post-covid right okay all right um, we're gonna like, be covering I'm it and then she has to feed us i will even buy all the ingredients <laughs> i'll be your sous chef like seriously um and, and Go ahead. Sorry. You had a second question. Go ahead. Yeah. The second question was like, how fast can you change a flat? Cause I'm, I'm rocking it at around 15 minutes. <laughs> well, so, <we're> the same. <laughs> so I'm going to give you my race day answer. And then I promise I'll explain. Um, I can change a, a front flat in under 10 seconds. <laughs> so on the road, um, in a race, it's far too time consuming to actually change, physically change the flat on the wheel. So we switch out the wheel. Yeah. Which is why I'm always looking on that start line to see who's on what set of components so that I know, all right, I can switch this out. Like I have everything in little rolling Switzerland. Um, and I can, I can pull the right wheel. I can get that changed. Um, and, Sometimes if we've got downtime in a race, we'll actually change the flat for the rider. Um, you know, if we're at a big race, a lot of times we'll just pass the wheel off to the team and let them deal with it. So you get the wheel and then you're like, okay, here's the team car. Here's your guy's wheel. Fix it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and we don't need our wheels back right away. That's, you know, sort of the, the beauty of neutral support is that we have all these huge sponsorships, um, you know, with, bike companies and wheel companies and um so we're able to have you know probably i mean we've got we show up with like sprinter vans full of wheels um and we'll pack each car with like 12 pair of wheels um and we're just ready to go so the rider like if i do a wheel change even on the start line that rider can stay on my wheel until he finishes um and then course I keep the rider's wheel and I write down their number um and the deal is that they have to come back at the end of the race and give me my equipment back interesting do they all do that for the most part yeah they're excellent about it <laughs> um I always love it you know when um and it's it's never at like the 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 bigger tour levels it's the local races sometimes people will come back and they'll have a critique of my equipment and they'll be you know oh well this bike would be so much better if you did this and i'm like usually yeah. it's it's like a you know for lack of a better word pretty big like 
you know, amped up guy that'll come. I get teased for it now among the mechanics. My favorite line is, uh, sir, the correct response is thank you. Yeah. I love that you say that. I'm so glad that you say that. Like, seriously, some manners, dude. Yeah. You got to finish your race because Sarah was there. So <laughs> the answer is thank you. That's it. Oh. Yep. And, well, and maybe, do you want to have dinner Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's interesting, like, right? Because we get so nervous sometimes when we race because we put so much into it and just remembering, like, things are going to happen. Like, you kind of have to know that going into it and be ready for that and then be kind to people. Like, yeah. Like if you go into things with that mindset, because everybody's going to react differently when they're under nerves, but pros, it sounds yeah. like they're, they're trained, they're trained under that pressure to know how to yeah. respond. It, they're, they're definitely trained to know like, it's okay. We got this. Don't piss know? off the mechanic. She'll <laughs> leave a f- hole in your tire. No. It's no, like, it's, you know, you would never do that. On your food. <laughs> yeah. No, it's honestly like at that pro level, they're so calm about everything. Um, you know, and sometimes they get a little antsy, but for the most part, they're super, you know, some of the biggest names that we've worked with have been the most chill. Um, and cause they know you're going to give them a nice push back in. They know you're going to, um, let them tuck in behind the car and, and get back to where they were and stuff, even if you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> that's, but that's also that they practice, they've done the mental they've, yeah. And they've, they've done the, the training for it too. They know how to motor pace behind a car. They know how to, um, how to keep their heart rate down in situations like that to, to make it so that they're able to put in the effort to get back up. Yeah. That's kind of, it's a good point. It's a little bit of a recovery. Yeah. So a lot of those guys will, they'll treat it as a recovery. You know, they're, they're stretching, they're hopping up and down, eating a snack. <laughs> Have you worked any of the women's tours? Um, the, I've worked all the women's tours that kind of overlap with the, the men's tours from work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll work the women's races at like local events and stuff. Um, but you know, when they had a women's tour of Colorado and a women's tour of California, you know, definitely worked those for sure. Um, do you see any, any big differences between the men's and women's tours? Um, I think the, the women's tours, it's, it's very different to see how the team directors handle the athletes for sure. Um, and it's different to see, um, just the, the strategy that goes into racing. Um, the, the women's races by, by far, in my opinion, are so much more tactical um, than the men. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of like, okay, we're going to move here and this person's going to do this. It's very choreographed, whereas there's a certain level of choreography with the men and then there's a certain level of, yeah, just let all hell break loose. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Actually, I think that's kind of expected. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think that, you know, from a from a mechanics perspective, I think a lot of the women's teams have sort of brought their 
um, you know, I have friends who, who are the full-time mechanic for different women's teams. Um, and they've really just been welcomed with open arms and they're just one of the group, you know, they go and they, they're usually the ones planning the shenanigans that the teams get into, um, you know, off the bike. Uh, whereas I don't, I think the men's teams kind of look at the mechanics as, you know, they're there, they have a job to do, you know, I'll ask some questions, yeah. <laughs> but then move along, um, you know, and I, I don't know to what extent that's just the, the climate of those race fields or if it's a gender thing, I don't know, but just an observation. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I know cyclocross, you know, on the flip side of it, cyclocross, the, the proteins, um, everybody's family, right. From the mechanics to the riders, to the team directors, to the riders, parents, it's like, everybody goes out to dinner together. Everybody does everything together. Um, what do you expect from a race where they hand you beer in the middle of the race, though? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely been races where I've gotten off. There were a couple stages where I've, like, gotten off the motorcycle and, like, had beer splattered on me because of the people up at the top of the climbs and stuff like that. The fans, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, they've been, tr they've tried to give handoffs to riders and mechanics and you're like, this is not the place, dude, not the place. Yeah. And nobody takes it, but they still try. Um, yeah, to get you to do some mechanical support at a gravel event. And so you can tell us what the difference is. <laughs> yeah. With the vibe. Hmm. Except for your allergic to latex. So that's going to be really hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the, uh, the tubeless tire debate is that's my uh, I, I that's my downfall. Yeah, for sure. It's kryptonite. Um, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Um, but you know, like I said, when we were doing the the webinars for my own bikes, you won't you won't have to. I'm not I'm not going to touch that. Thank you very much. Very allergic to latex and um, the swim caps and triathlon are latex. And so she would have to bring her own, but if it was like a long swim, she'd have to be really careful of getting too close to the whole crowd. Even though you're in the water, like she could start to like her throat start to feel like closed up and she would take a, like often something right off the bike or the swim, which is unfortunate because you still have a bike and a run to do. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm not, I'm not that bad, but like when it's aerosolized, like if you get a flat and it's just spraying everywhere, I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, the guys who like roll to a stop and they're covered in sealant. You're like, I'm going to stay. I'm not giving you a hug. You're not, we're not going on a date. Yeah. <laughs> How did this become about Sarah and her date? I don't know. <laughs> you get to ask out in the middle of like accidents. <laughs> I think uh, if any guys are listening, take note. We don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> it's not appropriate. Yeah. Talking about out. it because we think it's funny that you do it. So stop. And it is appropriate. <laughs> Thank her after the race. Um, well, I, Christy might have an, another question, but kind of my wrap up question would be, you know, we mentioned Hannah Grant. We had her on the podcast a few weeks ago. And one of the things that she talked about was because she was the first woman chef to go into cycling and she was on the European tours. It did open a lot of doors for her because they were like, wait, there's a woman here. Like, do you feel like that's happened? Like, being a little bit more of an oddity, like it's opened some doors or just given you some opportunities? 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I try to let my mechanical skills and, and my work speak for itself. So, you know, I definitely don't, um, don't want to be like, oh, I can't do this. I'm too good for it. Um, or, you know, oh, I physically can't do this because I'm a, a woman. Um, you know, I, I don't want to play that card and I don't, I don't go looking for any special treatment. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely given me opportunities for sure um, to come up with new ways of doing things that, you know, we've started coming up with um, different processes that, you know, just modifying stuff. So when you go to push your rider back in, for example, um, you're most of the time the riders in a track stand and the the guys will hold them they'll just kind of lock their knees on the back tire and stand there and hold them and then run with them most of these guys you know the the bigger guys that were pushing in in like a crit or a road race or something like that i mean their their saddle is at my shoulder like that's not going to work for me um like i think my knee probably comes up to like the bottom of the seat stay. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to hold you. Um, but we, you know, this was way back at that clinic in Providence, you know, we figured out a way that I could do it and I could push in anybody, you know, even some of the biggest, burliest mechanic guys, um, who, you know, were in racing shape. I could, I could hold them in a track stand. I could push them in. Um, you know, we also have a degree in physics. That helps too. (laughs) But, but, you know, I think it's, and it's, so it's given me a chance to kind of, you know, change some stuff that hopefully has helped others um, who followed. Um, And it's definitely, you know, given me opportunities to to travel and to learn, um, to learn some different skill sets too. I mean, I was asked to, to serve on the the founding board of a professional mechanics association a few years ago. Um, and that was a whole lot of, you know, business, business management and website design skills that I never thought I would ever need to know. <laughs> and now I'm an expert. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. um, yeah. No, I think that's actually the question that I would ask to wrap up. So it's good to hear. Yeah. And to be clear, I think Hannah, like what she saw was I was a novelty. So it just like, people were like, wait, Oh, a woman can do this. And now she said there's lots of women. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I, I was, I still am in some ways the novelty, um, especially at the, the bigger races. Um, and it's, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, like I'll show up at a race and everybody knows me and I'm half the time. I'm like, I recognize you and I don't know from where, (laughs) um, stuff like that, you know, but of course there's, there's a group of people that you see all the time. Um, and some people react really positively, um, to, to having a woman mechanic there. Some people, um, react super negatively, um, and try to put you in situations that you can't get out of. Um, you know, but on the flip side, you've got, you know, the, the European officials at tour California every year. So stumped. They're like, you're not a swan here. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, 
you know, and I love it. I love that you like just don't like throw them off. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. It's, it's honestly become a game with the guys that I work with, um, you know, on the neutral support crews. Um, like they, they set me up for it. Hardcore. Um, where they're, they'll just kind of like tee it up. And then I just have to like, Oh yeah, that, that wasn't what you were expecting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Well, that'll start to change the vibe in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. If people want to get some more of your mechanical insights, we do have two videos up on our YouTube channel um, from your two, two parts in the summer series. Yes, starring dad. <laughs> starring your dad. He can have a guest appearance. It's a very dad appearance. Uh, and I just, I loved your story when we met and just like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you're a full-time mechanic. And then I was like, oh, you're not. Like I was actually messaging a friend of mine while you were on the webinar that was on. And I was like, I could totally see you doing something like this. And she was like, that yeah, sounds really cool. So I think like sometimes we think it's this or this when it's like, well, actually you, there's a path to, to both or to try something. Yeah. So definitely. I mean, and that's, you know, just like in engineering um, and, you know, I I think I was a bike mechanic before I was an engineer. Right. But so I don't know really where it started, but I always try to surround myself with people that I think are better than me at whatever it is I'm trying to do. And I just try to be a sponge and learn as much as I can, Um, you know, and as long as you kind of keep an open mind in that sense and, you know, never say you can't do something. Um, you can definitely do both. That's awesome. Okay. Now I have to ask you this right now. If I ever do this race to be named in Kansas, will you come be my support? Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe that's where we get Hannah Grant. <laughs> that's it. And we'll Allie's your coach. Done. There you go. We got no, Allie's like coaching people. She'll race. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. You too. Yeah. Thanks for, for getting me on. Sorry it took so long. Stupid tropical storm. Totally worth the wait. It was so worth the wait. We both learned so much. Yep. Awesome. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. You can follow us on all the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. Mm-hmm.